Hello there. This is Rish Outfield. Too fat for a seatbelt, apparently. Anyhow, this will be the last Rish Outcast of 2014. I am getting in the car, going to see Big. I haven't seen him in a couple weeks. Uh, we've just been too busy. I have been working full time, and he's been working as he always does, uh, whatever beyond full time is. And you consider how much driving he does to work every day um, and home. We just haven't been able to get together and do a lot of Dune Steefs. I have been trying to do some writing, but I haven't really managed anything. For a holiday episode, for a Christmas episode of my show, I think this is the third year that I've had a solo podcast. And the last two years I did Christmas stories, and I have a couple of Christmas stories that I've never shared, but they're in notebooks and I'm not comfortable with recording them until I've typed them up and at least have said, okay, this is a second draft, Uh, this is something I'm happy with. Uh, Anyhow, I talked to him the other day about doing an episode, a Christmas episode. What would you like to do for the Christmas episode? And he said, well, you probably have stories. Uh, And he mentioned a story that you've not heard that I had done at Christmas Story. And I didn't feel like that that was appropriate for a uh, Doing Steve episode. I won't go into it, but it just didn't... I'm not, I don't want to share that. And he said, well, maybe I'll write something. And I laughed. No, I mean, to myself, after I talked to him, I laughed. Because he wasn't going to do it. But you know what? He sat down and he wrote himself a Christmas story. And it sounds like we're going to do that for our Steve Christmas episode. Which is cool. But that leaves me and my Rish Outcast without a Christmas story. And... I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe I'll just do this as an episode without a story attached where I just talk and 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 talk. But uh, I did come up with an idea that I thought was pretty solid. And it's basically, there's a guy who doesn't like the holidays. He's grouchy about it. He has to work a lot because... You know, it's the holiday season and people are greedy and he's telling his friend and his friend's girlfriend this. And the girl takes it upon herself to teach him the true meaning of Christmas. She's like, you know, I'm going to show you the Christmas spirit. And so she does this thing where she thinks that it will inspire him. And I thought, well, you know what, that's pretty good. It's derivative of other stuff that I've written, but... At this point, I don't care. And uh, I sat down and I I was writing it and I thought, you know, this will be my outcast Christmas episode. But as I was writing it, I started to worry that the story didn't work. That the only way that the story would work would be if all three characters were idiots. We're talking Jeff Daniels and... Jim Carrey level idiots and 
that that doesn't really work. Uh, do you remember my story of the Scottish scene? In that one, there were three high school girls, and I tried to write them in an amusing way, uh, in the way that I think the high school girls are. They're not. They're not geniuses. They're not being written by Kevin Williamson. They're flighty and immature and, uh, you know, I mean, that's not to say that high school boys aren't that, but high school boys are dumb in a different way. And I, uh, I wrote that and I, I was quite pleased with it. I'm still quite pleased with the Scottish scene. I think it's a good story. And maybe one day I'll present it here uh, and see if I can get Renee to do the female voices again. Although, see, I made her do it a couple years ago on the short version, and it just seems greedy of me to ask her to do it on the long version. But at the same time, a, a story that features three main female characters, and, and there's not really any important male characters except for the uncle, that's probably not going to be great with me reading it. Anyway, I found the humor of that story to be that these girls weren't particularly versed in Shakespeare. They weren't particularly smart. And uh, when I was writing this Christmas story, uh, I thought, you know what? These three characters would have to be even dumber than the three teens in Scottish scene. And I wanted these three to all be in college together or college age. They're all like, you know, 20. And I thought about it and I thought, well, how much disbelief do you suspend in the very premise of this story? Sorry, and then how much disbelief do you have to suspend if they all make a really stupid mistake that, frankly, like a bright 10-year-old would catch? But the story had to... Well, the story I wanted to tell had to have a concession that these three characters did not realize that they had made a mistake. And it seems to me now that maybe I could have changed the central premise of the story just a tiny bit and had it make a little bit more sense. Uh, but anyhow, once I reached that point where I was just like, oh no, how dumb are these characters? it became hard to finish the story. I, I, I started to doubt myself. And I would say that self-doubt is the arch nemesis of creativity. Not just as far as finishing this story, but in putting it out, in, the, in exploring, and taking risks, in trying to do anything outside of your comfort zone. So I didn't, I haven't finished that story and it's getting really close to Christmas. I would have to have probably finished it by now and then revised it, or at least revised on the fly as I was recording it for this show if I wanted to get somebody to do voices I would have to send that to them and it might not be done in time for Christmas so I'm going to be the Grinch I think in this case and say that uh, we're not going to have a Christmas story this year Nope, TNT is not going to run a Christmas story for 24 hours straight. But that doesn't mean that I can't have a Christmas episode. I sat down and I recorded a bunch of thoughts about creativity and, and writing uh, for a future 
Outcast episode, and maybe I could include all of that here. And now it's time to talk about something completely different. Hey kids, this is Rish Outfield. Whoops, the microphone is, has fallen. <laughs> I think we're in our second year. Oh, obviously in our second year, because it usually takes about six months for me to get these things on the air once I've recorded them. Let's see. What was I going to say? I don't know. It's, it's rough. It, it, these things are unscripted, obviously, right? I just start this thing recording and I drive. And whatever comes out of my mouth ends up on the show unless I sniff or stammer or get off track and then it ends up cut out. But it's almost impossible with all this noise for some reason to cut things out. You would think it would be much easier to trim in a loud environment than it is to trim in silence. But it's not. I think it's partly because the car makes noise, whatever road I'm on makes a different noise, the amount of wind blowing against the windscreen is, uh, it varies, how fast I'm going varies, and so the sound quality, I don't really know, I'm, I'm, I was going to say not a professional editor, but, uh, I mean, I've, I've made a couple bucks with it, oh, that reminds me. I, um, let's see, I narrated a story called Very Superstitious a few months ago, and it, uh, it's a horror story, and every month uh, I will get a check from Audible for the sales, the audiobook sales that I've made that month, and it has a, a check, and then it has a detailed, it's a detailed breakdown of how much I made on my projects. And usually I don't look at this. I, when I first started doing it, very beginning of 2013, or well, I guess it probably took me a couple, I don't know how long it took me for my very first thing to come out, but who cares? I'm getting off track. Uh, I used to look and it would bum me out because I would see, oh, you know, something that I've worked long and hard on hasn't sold at all or didn't sell anything this month or almost as bad, maybe worse because you see the name and then you see a one by it. It's got one sale. And so I stopped looking at that because I'm, I'm easily discouraged. As you know, you know me. So now I just cash the checks and I recycle those pieces of paper that have the invoices on them or manifests or whatever you want to call it. But the other day I had to print a coupon and, uh, I took the coupon with me and on the back of the coupon was like page three or page two or something of this report. And I don't know if it was for the last month or for an earlier month, but all it had was one item and it was very superstitious, had sold one copy in the UK. <laughs> and it's funny, I was suddenly like filled with so much affection for whoever this one person was in the UK who bought that. I don't know why. It was just like, oh, I wish there was a way to find out who had bought that so I could send them a nice note and say, hey, I hope you enjoyed that story and I hope you enjoyed my performance on it and thank you. You made my day knowing that you bought a copy of it. 
but I didn't. I mean, there's, I, I don't think it's possible to track that stuff down and it would, uh, it wouldn't be worth it to, uh, if they made that technology possible anyway, because you know, you, why would you want to know who bought your book? I mean, it's enough that they just break it down into the territories and you can see, oh, wow, absolutely nobody in Botswana bought my book. There, there was that. The story we're going to present today uh, is unknown. I don't, I don't know what the story we're going to present because I, I haven't prepared. I haven't thought that far in advance. I ought to make a list of stories that I'd like to put out there. You know, like Dead Letter. Is Dead Letter any good? I'd like to do an audio of it just because I had never got another draft. And uh, what was something... What, what was it I just published? Did I publish Sleep Talking Gal? I think it was. That's probably doable in audio. You know, sometimes I feel ambitious and lazy at the same time and would like... I'd, uh, to put out a couple of my stories for uh, somebody to record, somebody to you know to audition and do an audio for, because you know that's how I got started in this. I uh, auditioned for a couple of pieces. Um, I got quite a few of the ones that I auditioned for when I first started, and now I no longer audition, mostly just because I'm too busy with the commitments I have made. But I think it would be neat if there was somebody out there and they would say, okay, here's my take. And they could, they could do the work. It's a lot of work to sit down and record an audiobook, even a short story. Because, you know, you have to record it. And you have to do your best. You got to get all the words right, at least. Then, you know, I have to edit it out. You have to edit all the mistakes. You have to put it in a specific audio format that ACX requires and uh, there's that I'm, I'm trying to think I've never had somebody record one of my pieces for sale uh, it's always been the opposite you know I record something for somebody else and a lot of the time they're fine with whatever I do and sometimes they send me a laundry list of changes that they need made and the shoe has never been on the other foot, and I think it would be neat. Because I would think that there are people that love doing what I do already out there that would enjoy just doing a short story or a novella because it's not hours and hours and hours of work like a full book is. Also, if they're just starting in this program, they'll be naive like I was and think, oh, I can record a short story and I'll make money from it. Although, like I said, one guy in the UK. So, I think that would be really fun. There are a couple of female-centric stories that I've written that I think might be stronger if a woman narrated them. Like, um, a lovely singing voice has... You know, the main protagonist and main antagonist are both female. And that might be fun to have a woman record for me. The problem is, and, you know, this is going to sound hypocritical of me because, you know, God knows I've complained about Abby or complained about some of these people who 
you know, send me just change after change after change after change. But what if they didn't do a good job? What if they just sped through it uh, and, you know, didn't make the scary parts scary, the funny parts funny, the dramatic parts dramatic? What if they were just punching a time clock and I ultimately felt like, oh, shoot, I could have done a better job had I recorded it myself, which... Okay, that has happened before. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's part of life. I mean, I do what I do, and I like doing it a certain way, and if somebody does it a different way, it's not to my liking. I hope that's understandable. It doesn't make me sound like a douche. But the fact of the matter is, um, there's only so many hours in the day. I can be a writer. I can be an audiobook narrator. But they both eat into the same amount of time. And so I think it would be neat to try to just put a short story out there or, you know, a lengthier story out there and listen to the auditions. Because the thing is, you get to hear them, you know, record a part of it, right? I would probably give them like two pages uh, something that's typical of the story, you know, with, that shows the scariness or shows the funniness or shows the dramaticness. And I can hear from their audition whether they're good or not. And I, it just occurred to me, what if I put it out there and nobody auditions? <laughs> there are a couple of projects on, that I auditioned for on ACX. Uh, that I, I auditioned for probably in 2013 sometime that still sit there. They never said yes or no. As far as I know, they never got a narrator. That makes me think, well, the, obviously these guys are not paying attention. You know, they, they put an email address there that they don't check. They've passed away. You know, they they didn't like any of the auditions that came in and then they just set it aside and never went back to it whatever it might be but there are projects on ACX that have been there for years there have to be and the thought that nobody would audition is creepy is is a little bit daunting and you know I got to put that out of my head the idea that two or three people would audition and I get to choose is kind of attractive to me but, shoot, I, I, I need to pick something right now and just say, okay, I'm going to do this. And then in the next Rich Outcast, I'll let you know how it went. Because that's interesting, right? I mean, unless you're somebody who's done this before, who's sold your writing. And, and we've all sold a story, right? And then heard somebody read it. And either they did a great job or they did a mediocre job. Or, you know, it was for Starship Sofa and it never aired. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting experience to see something that you worked on taken out of your hands and interpreted by somebody else. So I think that that's uh, an interesting experience where I could tell people how it went and talk about it. But at the same time, you know, I wouldn't want to be rude. I wouldn't want to be mean and say, oh, I got one audition from this dude and he absolutely sucked and he said about instead of about Ugh. that that wouldn't be cool anyway 
You'll surely never get a Parsec award, but someday, Rish, I predict you'll receive some type of honor for all your hard work in the field of wasting other people's valuable time. But 2014, which is coming to an end, has been a very successful year for me as far as my would-be career uh, of as a writer and an audiobook narrator. I've actually made some money this year, mostly due to Abigail Hilton. But I've put out a bunch of stories. I have to have put out more stuff in 2014 than I did in 2013. And a couple copies have sold. I'm not yet making any real money. Just change. But I'm still doing it. I'm still optimistic that I will continue to do it and that it uh, that is good there's a lot of stories I've written like the one I mentioned a few minutes ago that I don't think I will ever share with anybody uh, the story uh, uh, sorry let me go back I, I had written a story a decade ago called Unfinished Business I believe and it's about a man who, when he was a teenager, made a, uh, sought out the help of a witch. And I wrote this when I was a teenager about my best friend and his ex-girlfriend. And he goes to this uh, witch to be able to triumph over his enemy who has stolen the love of his life. Again, this is a high school love of his life, which means very little to me now as an adult. But in high school, love was love. And this was a story that I wrote way back in the in, you know, early 90s. And a decade later, I wrote a sequel to it where the main character was an adult and the witch called on him to repay this favor that she did for him back when he was in high school. And at this point, he's got kids and he's got a wife who doesn't know that he ever made a deal with a devil of sorts. And he goes to the witch and he's afraid of what awful thing she's going to ask him to do. And instead, she sends him out on Christmas Eve uh, to be Santa Claus, to play Santa Claus for the last living relatives that she has that live in like a trailer park in poverty and he goes out and he does this and he's able to see you know a little bit of joy on this poor family's face and uh, then he goes home and he discovers at the end of the story that that old witch died years before and that her house is no longer there that it was raised to the ground and there's just a vacant lot there now that's the exclamation point on that story. And it's a good story. But it's, it sort of hinges upon you having read this first story where he makes a deal with the witch to begin with. And so I just, I, I didn't want to put that out there. And there's a, a bunch of stories I've written about myself when I was a young person, a teenager a kid, 
and I've been really hesitant to put those out there for people to peruse. Some of them are, you know, just too autobiographical, and some of them are, you know, I'm just afraid somebody's going to say, this is crap, man. And so, there's a bunch of stories that I just held back. And that's something I struggle with, and you hear me struggle with it on almost every single episode of these things. One of the most difficult things for me to do on the Doonstief or on my solo podcasts is to say, I did something and it's really good. Because that seems like I'm opening a door for somebody to say, no, it isn't. You don't know what you're talking about. You're talentless. I I listened to it because you said it was good and it wasn't good. Or I bought this story because you said it was good and it wasn't good. There are things that I've written that I don't think are so good. And why I would feel okay to share those and not the things that I think are good is part of my psychosis. But this Christmas story that I didn't finish, it it didn't seem like it would be very good. But if I work hard and, you know, inject a little bit of humor and a little bit of personality into these three characters, maybe I can write something that pleases myself. And if I find out that listeners don't agree that it's good, well, that's difficult for me. And it's something I need to overcome, as you well know. I am am getting a little bit better, but I've gone from somebody who's absolutely terrified of water to somebody who will wade in up to their knees. So it's not the same as going surfing or going swimming with the dolphins. I'm not a kid anymore, even though I feel like a kid most of the time. So I start to worry if I'll ever feel like swimming with the dolphins. You tend to become confident in something that you do over and over and over again. And I have put out stories over and over, but I'm still afraid to read comments. I'm still afraid to uh, put myself out there in any meaningful way. And so it's a long, long way to those dolphins, kids. But 2014 was a good year for me because I wrote a lot of stories. I'm pleased with almost all of them. And, uh, you know, I put out a bunch of these podcasts and I continue to put out audiobooks. Um, I've sort of taken the attitude of, you ever hear about these big stars, uh, movie stars that uh, will do a movie for the studio and then they'll do a movie for them. So if you're one of those actors who has a big following in action movies, you'll do an action movie you know, for Columbia Pictures or whatever, and then you'll do some personal thing that you actually care about for yourself. You know, you do an art film. You do a biopic. You do a, uh, just a small part in somebody else's movie because you believe in that. And that's kind of what I've been doing with the audiobook process. I, I, will, I will do one for somebody else and then before I do another one for somebody else, I will try to do one for me. 
where I am the author, Cuckoo Kachu. And I've done that a couple of times. There's really only a couple of audiobooks by me out there so far. But it's my plan to try and do one from now on in between every other book that I do for somebody else. And, you know, if I were really, really dedicated, I could probably do an audiobook like every five weeks or so, or every other month. And I'm not really, really dedicated. The book I've got right now, I, I used to try and record a chapter every other night. And now that I'm busy and have less energy, I probably record a chapter every week, which is not great. But, you know, that's what happens. Everybody gets busy and everybody gets tired at the end of the year. And then you've got a new year where you can set all sorts of new goals and commit yourself to doing better than you have before. And I think that's where we are right now. It's the end of the year. I'm looking back. And January, I will really buck, buck down, buckle down and see what kind of stuff I can create. You know, it's kind of exciting, actually. I like this shit. It's exciting. Okay, as I was saying, at the end of the year, Christmas season, the New Year's season, you start to think about the things you've accomplished and the things that you didn't do so hot about. You start to resolve, I'm going to do better. I can work harder. I can try to, uh, you know, improve. But it's weird. I... I'm reminded of, my, last week my cousin started getting into um, Minecraft, that video game. He's one of those people who can't do anything halfway. He's into it or he's not into it at all. And so once he got into it, he was playing it for hours and hours every single day and staying up until, you know, 2 or 2.30 each night playing it. Then just this week, my friend Jeff got this new Sid Meier Civilization game And he said between Monday and Wednesday, he had put 22 hours into the game. There was a thing that said how long you'd been playing. And I, he's, those guys told me that and I was just horrified. It's like, you know, I would probably put a gun in my mouth if I realized that I had done that. And it's because I feel guilty all the time anyway, that I'm not writing, that I'm not selling my writing, that I'm not doing the audiobook obligations that I've signed up for, that I, I, you know, I could be doing more, I could be working harder, and I just, yeah, I, I could never, I wouldn't allow myself to have pleasure at playing one of those games. I would just feel bad and guilty about it, and knowing in the back of my mind that, you know, I could have done something, I could have accomplished something, but instead, I... I just, I selfishly sat there and played a video game. And anyway, I was talking to Big about it, and he sort of feels the same way. I, I don't know, it's completely the same thing, but, you know, you, you get old enough to realize there are not a, an infinite amount of days ahead. And you're not going to achieve every single one of your goals. And so if you slack off now, that's several more goals you won't achieve. And I, I just, I don't know. I mean, part of it is my personality. I'm never going to be satisfied with what I do or what I've created. You know, it always bothers me. I know I can do better. That was one of the reasons I asked people, hey, don't tell us of things that 
you know, little technical problems or things that didn't work well in a Doonstief episode. And it came, I know it came across as arrogant, but what I meant to say is, don't, because I, you know, I will obsess about it. I will, when, there, we did an episode where I did an English accent, and they said, Brits don't say Graham, they say Graham. And that ate at me, it still bothers me all these years later. So, you know, when I said, hey, please don't point out little things like that, it was because that stuff is done. I can't go back and fix it. Uh, it's already out there. And my personality is, is such that I could work on something forever. In November, they just passed, it was NaNoWriMo. I guess they do it every November where people sit down and they write a novel in a month. And I've never written a novel. Part of me thinks, wow, that would be really cool to sit down and write a novel in a month. But it's such a gargantuan task, you know, a, a, a novel. And it would be my first novel. And I would be embarrassed or afraid to release that novel because you know, everybody would read it. Well, almost nobody would read it, but you know what I mean? If somebody read it and they was like, wow, this is not good, what could I do about that? I would always want to polish it. I was always, always want to fix it. I still, sometimes, there are stories like, um, shoot, what was it? Just the other day, I thought of a lovely singing voice and I thought, oh, you know, there's something that I'd like to add to that. You know, just a little bit of personality and those things jump into my head and I have to say, you know what, just forget it. We're not gonna do that because that's done, that's out there, it's published and people can read it if they want to and whether there's a little bit of personality to the room or not is not going to impact whether they like the story or not. And for a novel, wow. I just, yeah, it's so daunting. Oh, I forgot to say a novel because that was me trying to be funny. Anyway, it's just, uh, part of it is just a fear of work, of the amount of time and energy that would be demanded of me to actually write a novel. And part of it is that I'm not really a novel guy. I have two kinds of ideas. Short stories and screenplays. Those are the two ideas I have. Now, sometimes I'll have like an idea for a sketch or an audio drama, but those are both variants, variation, uh, variations of those two things. And I know that it's possible to take a screenplay and turn it into a novel, but I don't know that I would be able to do it. I've taken short film scripts and turned them into short stories. So I guess, you know, it's not that different. But anyhow, uh, I guess I was just talking. Oh, I was talking about November. Uh, people sitting down and they wrote a novel. And part of me would really like to do that. Part of me would like to go to one of those writer's retreats that people go to. Where your only priority is writing. You sit down and you write. And when you're done writing, you eat and go to the bathroom, and then you write some more, and then you go to sleep, and then write some more. 
and I, I that sounds really really neat but I would probably end up writing you know seven or eight short stories during that period because a novel is it's too intimidating to me or at least in my mind a novel is a work of art Whereas a short story can just be a lark. It can be a joke. It can be something scary that I thought, something funny that I thought, something interesting that I thought. You know, an idea. Whereas a novel can't just be an idea. It has to be a world and a bunch of realistic characters and a dialogue and progression for those characters and an arc and resolution, setups and payoffs, all the things that are in a movie but, you know, a much greater accomplishment than just simply writing the blueprint for a movie. But, you know, I've written a couple of things that are novella length, and uh, that's cool. I'm content with that. If there were a dollar sign attached to it, if somebody said, your short story, uh, Sleep Talking Gal, I really, really like it, and I will pay you to turn it into a novel. I think I could do that. You know, you start the story earlier and you uh, flesh things out more. You come up with a couple other subplots. And, you know, there were a couple of characters that I sort of introduced in that story that never really went anywhere. Which, you know, it feels thin in the short story version. And it's not a short story, right? I think the audiobook version was like an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. But uh, it could easily have doubled in length if I decided, you know, I'm going to make his work life a little bit more real. I'm going to develop him and his kids and, and all this stuff. But how you'd turn that into a novel, I don't, I, I don't know. I, it would be an interesting experiment, but not for its own sake. You know what I mean? Maybe if you were going on a writer's retreat and you were forced to do that, that would be a fun project. Is to say, okay, I've got this short story and I'm going to turn it into a novel. Or I see if I can do it. But uh, with a new year, you don't really know what's in store. This could be a fantastic year. This could be a disaster. This could be your last. Um, you don't know. There's a world of possibilities. And, and I don't understand because it's just psychological. There's no difference between January and August as far as mortality goes or as far as progression of life or anything like that, except for that in January, everybody talks about where you are in the past year and where you'd like to go and what would you change if you could. And in August, it's like, okay, time for school, time to go back to school, time for things to start getting cool again and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So in the new year, I would like to continue to do the Rish Outcast. I would like to continue to put out my stories. You know, I'd like to have fun. I, I, I sounded judgmental, didn't I, about my cousin and my friend. I would like to play a video game. I don't hate video games. I, I sound like I do because, you know, they're not me. But that sort of stuff is fun. And, uh, you know, that's something that I would like to do. But more as like a reward. It's like if 
I write today or if I record two chapters of this audiobook or if I edit one chapter of this audiobook, then I can play this video game as a reward. You know, that seems like it might be kind of healthy, actually. Um, and so maybe that will be a, you know, a thing that I'll do in the new year. But again, and I say this a lot, I really appreciate it when people say that they like the show. I really appreciate it when people say that they like my writing, that something I wrote made them laugh or made them scared. I am a, or there's a word for what I am. I don't know if I'm a compliment whore, but I just need constant support, constant encouragement. I'm an encouragement junkie. And, you know, the other day somebody emailed me very nicely and said that they liked the writing that I was doing. They liked the audio drama that I did uh, with Big Anklevich and Brian Lincoln. And uh, that their roommate also liked it. And it was like the one thing that they agreed on. And, and it's just, oh, that felt good. It was neat to know that there are other people that like, that appreciate, that, that know, that, yeah, I could have been playing that video game or I could have just been sleeping or whatever. But I put in a little bit extra time to do this and they recognized that. That feels good. And so, you know, I'm going to continue to try to do that. And there will be ups and downs. There will be times when I am very productive, I hope. And there will be times when I'm not so productive. And I, you know, I hope I'm still a little bit productive during those times. I got a lot of stuff on my plate. Got a lot of stuff that I should have already done. You know, the, like I said, these audiobook commitments, they're not gonna produce themselves. But if I buckle down, if I force myself to focus on them, uh, they would get done. And it's not like it's, you know, I've got to dig another ditch or I've got to mine another tunnel. It's not that kind of work. So it could be way, way worse. I enjoy doing audiobooks. I enjoy uh, almost everything but the uh, editing process. And so uh, I hope that you have a good holiday. I hope that you have a safe New Year's. And then there's somebody for you to kiss when that ball drops. I hope that uh, the new year treats you kind, Lee. And uh, that you set a couple of goals for yourself. Not all easy goals. And that you're strong enough to achieve a couple of those. And uh, I hope to see you in the new year. So uh, have a good one. The Rish Outcast really should not exist. But since it does, I suppose the best that can be said of it is that it was produced under a Creative Commons 3.0 license. Of course, that's a little bit like noticing the piranhas eating you of a very attractive colour.